Welcome, guys, to Kieran's Corner. We have another episode of Your Team, Your Say. And in the booth with me this week, we have everyone's favourite Green Bay Packers fan, Kieran Cassidy. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. How are you? Getting there. We, 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 we're putting <laughs> off the Patriots episode for a little bit because uh still waiting for those free agency moves. Don't talk to Pakistan's that free agency. We don't know what that is. Yeah, Resign Kevin King's not a bad shout, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but with the intro out of the way, guys, it is time for Kieran's corner. Gotta love the intro there with everyone's favourite NFL quarterback, Joe Burrow, with his initial touchdown into the season. Great little run he made. Uh, But let's get into the Green Bay Packers. And let's start at the logical logical start point, which is last season and last season's draft. We can go through these one by one, or we can ignore round one totally. How how do you feel about last year's draft? We have... For me, the best quarterback, skill-wise, in the NFL, who has five years. Why did we pick one now? When we need a receiver, we definitely need DBs. Like we could do with some backup offensive linemen. We seem to always get a big injury every year. Like Bakhtiari is the only real like core lineman we've had for a while. The rest of all that. So like we pick him, and I'm just I'm just looking at like why. I know we picked late, but like, what was the point? All the receivers went. We could have traded up a couple of spots. Got Justin Jefferson. He came out had a great year. Obviously, I know he's your boy, an LSU boy. Like, I wanted him. Like, when we were going in, I was like, we need him and Adams either side. Then we're fine. It's a it's a tough one because Justin Jefferson was very clearly the best receiver in that draft, and. Packers very clearly needed it to augment that wide receiver wide receiver position. Tripping over my words today, uh, and you've got Vontae Adams, but he didn't really when you first brought him in start as a star, and only has really emerged as that as the last few years. And I think it would be helpful to have a guy like Justin Jefferson, who is very clearly good to go from the outset, and very clearly NFL ready. And we've seen that with now in your divisional rivals the Vikings, which is must be yeah. tough for you to watch. And it, it must be weird having a guy who you could have drafted, who is then, you know, having his roots played as highlights. And then you obviously you've got a Hall of Famer in there who could have potentially thrown the, the ball every week, a guy who hasn't lost his deep ball still in his old age. Uh, but are there any picks on here you are happy with? We've obviously got I like AJ, AJ Dillon. Dillon. Yeah, uh, yeah I like he, him. He, 
he was a lot of fun, actually. Uh, I noticed he sort of started getting a lot more carries throughout the year, and he's a big boy. I will say that. He is a large man. Yeah, he's not small. He's a bit of a bulldozer. Like He's not the same size as previous running backs who've had, like Eddie Lacey, who was three men. But like he, he's a good player. Like, I, that's why I think it was comfortable for us to let Jamal Williams go in the offseason because like Dylan, he came in, he played a bit. Obviously, we re-signed Aaron Jones, and we'll get into that obviously later more about this offseason. But that's the one I like. John Runyon's okay. Like History, obviously, his dad played for the Eagles for a real long time. He, he was a solid tackle. Like, we just need support, but nobody really screams like starter in the next few years, really. Like, even Dylan would play that much because we just signed Aaron Jones to a fairly friendly contract. He's been very good the last two years. So he'll come and share some time every now and then, but nobody stands out, which is why this year we need to really just pick up players that can play now. Like, we always look ahead for, oh, will they play when our player we let carry us in that position gets old and retires? We did try to do that with Clay Matthews. Took us till like, two off-seasons later to sign like, the two Smiths to even get anybody on the outside close to that. We just wait, and then they don't do anything, and we just stare at them like... It's, it's like staring at a stick and poking it, just going, do something, do something, do something. It just it doesn't do anything. Before we get on to the two biggest difference makers in the team, I will say there was a surprise on your team this year, which as a Packers fan, you may have seen coming more than somebody like me who is on the outside of this sort of fandom. And big Bobby Tunyon, what a year he had at the yeah. tight end position for you guys. Was that expected or was that a surprise for Green Bay Packers, Packers fans too? I'd say it was, a, it was a pleasant surprise. Obviously, we, we were hoping for it from tight ends over a few years. Like We've looked at a bunch of different people and that woeful signing of Jimmy Graham, anything, any other tight end, there's Eddie Lewis in there as well. Like he was, he was, I think he was the best thing for Tanyan. He was such a good mentor. He's such a good player to be in the locker room. Like if you look at any Packers like interviews, any players that talk about him, like he is the guy in there to do everything for that team, to be a leader, to be like a voice in between the coaches and the players. But Tynan, it was surprising. It was a nice price though. Jimmy Graham was woeful. Like every time Rogers threw to him, I was like, oh God, please don't tell me Jimmy Graham taught you how to slap the ball down to the ground in the end zone or like go one-handed in traffic. I was like, just use two hands. And the first time he, he caught a touchdown, just bringing it down nicely, two hands. I was like, oh, thank God, that idiot's in Chicago just slapping the ball back at the defenders. Uh, and, I mean, what, 11 touchdowns, 586 yards? Not bad for a guy who had only scored two touchdowns in his career in the three years previous. Uh, but let's get on to everyone's, well, probably the two favourite Packers, uh, for most people here, and that's Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. What a partnership these two have cultivated. Yeah, uh, it's, it's brilliant. It's, I, I was skeptical after we lost Jordy, like what was going to happen next? Like who would Adams be able to step up? Obviously, he was there while we had Jordy and Cobb playing. And Adams has sort of separated himself now into that discussion of top three to five receivers in the league. Aaron Rodgers, for me, this is biased, but he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Like, he's efficient. He gets 
plenty of yards every year. He's never obviously touched the 5,000 mark, which is surprising for me when I first started following them and I saw the odd 5,000 yard season here and there from like Breeze, Manning, Brady. I was like, oh, Rogers is next. He'll get one next. He'll be the next player to get. But 48 touchdowns and five interceptions speaks for itself. He has the best touchdown to interception ratio of all time. Like his QBI is ridiculous. His completion percentage has always been good. Like the only person whose completion percentage has been consistently that good has been Breeze, really, of, of recent years. And that's like a good name to be compared to. And Adams is just the routes he runs. I can't, like, I can't even begin to explain how enjoyable it is to watch him just toast people every week. Like he, he's going deep. He's got his slants, outs, ins, anything. Like he's he's everywhere. Uh, it's for me one of the best partnerships in the NFL. It's not the best. I, I was going to say because Adams does something that I, when I've coached players, I've always taught them not to do. Uh, and it's crazy that he can do this and still be great. You notice when he releases, he always does like a little hop step. And I have always told players consistently, no matter what you know year they're in at high school or even when I've evaluated college game tapes, it's one thing that coaches I've spoke to said they always drill out of wide receivers. Never do that hop step. But Devontae Adams is clearly just on another fucking level because he doesn't give a shit. He does that little hop step and, and and still manages to burn everyone. And I think it actually speaks to Rogers that he was going toe-to-toe with probably one of the hottest quarterback prospects in the league right now in my favorite player, Josh Allen, which is, you know, I get shit for being a Patriots fan and saying I love Josh Allen so much. But yeah. he's going toe-to-toe with the wonder kid who's six foot six, has an incredible arm and is ridiculously athletic. And Aaron Rodgers with... Probably less weapons than everyone else in the league. Because, look, even Josh Allen has Diggs and Beasley and Dawson Knox and stuff like that. But Aaron Rodgers just really stepped up to the plate this year and a very well-deserved MVP season. It's very hard to make a case for anyone else this year besides maybe um, Derek Henry. But even then, Aaron Rodgers just had... I think this was born out of anger, though, personally, them taking Jordan Love in the first round. He was sick of that fat little midget already and just wanted to absolutely <laughs> burn, uh, make, make the Packers regret their decision. Do you think he was kind of fueled by the lack of weapons he was given at the draft and just wanted to prove a point? Yeah, obviously, he came out and said, like, he went on like the Pat McAfee show and spoke about the picks, and he was just a bit confused overall about, like, the pick and why they didn't pick a receiver. And, like, the only receivers we picked up in free agency were, like, Devin Funches. Like, the less said about him, the better. Like, he came out angry this year. You're right. Like, he came out from the start just mad. Like, it took him till like, what, week, week six or seven to throw a pick? And he was he was testing people. He was going at the big dogs, showing them, I'm not scared. Like, I'll throw it overhead. I'll throw it in the middle of two of you. Like, people with good safety support. Like even going into the playoffs, he still looked mad. Like Adams against the Rams, he was billed as like this big battle. And don't get me wrong, I think best the best corner in the league is Jalen Ramsey, like without a doubt. And Rogers was not afraid to go to Adams when he was shadowing him the whole time. And he just came out. Excuse me, with a point to prove. Like he, he has nothing to prove for me. He has nothing left to prove. He's efficient, he's great, he has the statistics, he's got the unbelievable touchdown to interception ratio 
he gets like even in a three thousand yard year, he's still thrown forty odd touchdowns. Like going back a few years ago, he's not getting the five thousand yards, forty five touchdowns in twenty picks. He's getting four picks, five picks, seven picks. Like I think on it's for like four occasions he's thrown over ten picks because he, he and he still throws at great corners. Like our division historically terrible, not great corners, but. Like we played in divisional games, like we played the Saints. He went at Lattimore. When we played against the Lions, he went like a few years ago. He was going at Darius Slate. Like he he doesn't care who it is. He's not one of those quarterbacks who shies away from a dominant corner or a dominant secondary. And to to his fault, sometimes it can get him. Like we saw when we played the Legion of Boom Seahawks, we threw away games because he got aggressive. Because that's how he plays. He's aggressive. He's arrogant. But it, it suits him. And, like, as soon as you, like, poke his ego, that just, for me, I just noticed, like, a fire go off for him. And that's the worst thing that can happen to other teams, really. So yeah. if, if the Packers keep picking like this, he'll get more angry and we'll win more games. <laughs> I, I I always thought, like, I, I had kind of the wrong perception at Rodgers uh, that he was a little bit of a baby or an egomaniac, but he had a comment last season leading into this season that really kind of made me fall in love with him when he said that a down year for me is a career year for most other quarterbacks, which is such a fucking ballsy quote. I love that he come out and just gave zero fucks and just said that. And I was like, you know what? I've got to love him after that. But it seems like no matter how well he plays, and I'm sorry that I've got to bring this up, but it's the NFC Championship game. I, are you, do, you, do you think you guys are locked in there with the Saints as like perennial choke artists, or or is this, or is it just the state your team is? You can't quite beat the best of the best right now. I think we we just we choke. We we play them tight at times, and then we bottle it. Like even the NFC Championship game go back further against the Seahawks that I mentioned before. Like we bottled that. We should have won that game. We give up like a dodgy um fake and then we lose in overtime. And like the last three, like this year looks a lot nicer than it really was. Like watching the game, the first half was horrible. Kevin King, dreadful, woeful player. I, I was like texting my friend throughout like all the timeouts. And like any stoppages, like what is this dude doing? Like he can't cover anybody. And we're playing against two of the best receivers in the league and one of the best quarterbacks of all time, if the best quarterback of all time in Brady. So you can't make mistakes against him because he'll crucify you for it. Then the 49ers, they, for me, I thought they were going to win it all from about week seven onwards in uh, 2019. And obviously they lost in the Super Bowl to the Chiefs. I thought they were going to win it all. So I wasn't surprised we lost. I wasn't very confident in that game. We weren't as good in 2019 as we were last season. And the Falcons game, we were. That was the worst, one of the worst I've ever seen us play. Like, that was horrible. The Falcons weren't even that good as showcased when your Patriots let them have a nice little lead and then just thought, oh, we'll start playing now into the third quarter. Like, the Patriots played a quarter and a half, essentially. 28 to 3 just remains the greatest meme, I think, in football. Besides, you know, maybe like Jamarcus Russell's 40 yard dash with his shirt off. And it's a surprise you didn't beat that team because I know Matt Ryan was hot, but 
the scoreline was unfair to you. And I think that it could be said for this year as well, because Matt LaFleur made some really suspect play calls. And Aaron Rodgers made a, a really suspect play as well, where he had a lane to hit the end zone and decided to stay in the pocket and try try and throw. Do you think that was maybe stress where he didn't see that lane? Or do you think Matt LaFleur's play calling really, really hamstrung his attempts to maybe just improvise a little bit on the fly? I think it's a bit of both. I don't think a player like Rodgers who improvises as frequently as he does and does as much on his own and has done for so long where a lot of it is, especially in that playoff run leading up to the Falcons game, like the Giants and the Cowboys, there were two games of like plays were called and he was like, nope, fuck this and just started doing whatever he wanted. And there's been so many occasions. I think this year was just, just a bottle job like on both parts. Like Rogers lost confidence because the plays weren't what he wanted, but he just didn't see it. Like when he gets mad, he is a head down. Ah, oh, this is a lot of shit. Like I like like kids, like I don't want to play anymore. I'm losing that. I don't want to play anymore. Oh, I'm, I've got crap KD on Call of Duty. I'm gonna turn my Xbox off now. I felt that's what he gets like. And Brady got us back in the game. He got the Packers back in the game. Three picks, like we got back into it because of that for favorable field position, favorable like just ways to get to the end zone. Like, but we could never string a drive early. And it was too late by that point. Had we done that a quarter earlier, we would have played in the Super Bowl. I think we would have got there. We would have made the difference. We we would have been able to impact the game more. But he just felt he was running out of time. I don't think just in that game, but just like overall, because he's never going to be, in his mind, he's the best ever. He knows that. He's arrogant. That's what he said. Career year for anybody else when he plays terribly. He He's running out of time. He's got what, four, five, maybe, left. Like, that. that's a stretch. Like, he's hitting his mid-30s. He didn't start for the first three years. Obviously, as everybody knows, like he's behind the curve for a lot of people. Like, a first-round quarterback that doesn't start the first three years typically doesn't come in and excel the way he has, especially following who he followed. And he's running out of time. Like, when is the front office going to sort him out? When are they going to give him a solid defense overall? Like, we went out and spent heavily two years ago. Two pass rushers who have been great for the most part. Like, they've had lapses. They've been inconsistent. Like, Zadarius Smith has probably been our best free agent signing since Charles Woodson, for me. Adrian Amos is great. Drafting Jair Alexander. I wanted um, the guy that went to the Vikings, the um, Mike Hughes, the one that went to the Vikings. I wanted him that year, and we drafted Alexander. I was like, oh, Louisville player, is he going to be that good? And he's one of the best corners in the league. But I was going to say, he's, he's really done, excelled. Yeah, he's done He's done great, way better than I thought. We've got no interior linebackers. We never have. Like We signed Kirksey this last year. He's gone already. Like He was awful. Like he, he didn't do anything. We don't have defensive linemen. We have Kenny Clark, but like anywhere else, it's getting a bit thin. Like like safety positions, like Amos. Like we had Clinton Dix. He was good. He left. I liked him a lot. So when he left, I was very confused. But it's just, we're just running out of time to string our whole team together. Like it's all well and good having a good running back, a good quarterback, and a good receiver. But if you're getting torched every week, which is what they said from the start of the season, we couldn't we couldn't keep teams out. 
there were awful teams getting 25 on us. And we were just winning 42 to 25. Like four weeks in a row, we dropped 40 on a team, but we also let 25 go past us. We need a lockdown. If we get a lockdown defense, we win it all because then we don't get exposed when Rodgers isn't on the field because they would just run it out. Like, we have an awful run game. Terrible. 2019 MC Championship game. Raheem Mostert, that's the best he's, he'll ever be in his life. That game is the best he'll ever be because purely we had no run game. We have a decent pass game, like pass defense, but like we can't we can't defend against the run. We never have been able to. Like Todd Gurley, when he was decent enough, he torched us every time he played us. Uh, Devonta Freeman, he torched us. We like uh, Adrian Peterson, even in his old age before he left the Vikings, was torching us. And we've never addressed that issue ever. We've had five years to address it, and we still haven't. That, that, that's where I think that the biggest issue will continue to evolve from. Like, if we play against a team like the Titans, they're going to kill us because there will be no time for Rodgers to make any plays because Derek Henry will run 40 times a game. Yeah, so, I, it's, I, just, it's tough. I, I mean, that's what a lot of teams focus on, I think, because of how good Rodgers is. They just want to keep the ball out of his hands because he, he really, I think he was really. We talk about Patrick Mahomes a lot, but I think Rogers sort of invented that that sort of way of playing in the NFL. A guy who can really extend things. If he needs to put it up there, he, he will just put it into the fucking rafters and someone will come down with it. We've seen that a few times against the Lions, for example, where he, he's just huffed it into the stands, basically, and it's come down in the end zone somehow. I think he's thrown it out of the stadium. It's done a rotation down the earth and then come back in the end zone. It's just ridiculous throws he makes, but... Do you think maybe Matt LaFleur is, is is to blame for this? Because you should have got him receiver help. You should have got maybe some... like Think of the guys you've passed up in the last three years in, in, in the draft. And it's kind of inexcusable. But do, do you think Matt LaFleur is to blame uh, for maybe some of your woes in the playoffs this year? Yeah, his play column is a bit sus. He's still new. When you think about it, like when we hired him, it was like, who? Like, who have they? Like, they were like, everybody's throwing all these huge names out there. Like, nobody could believe Mike McCarthy was gone. I personally was delighted. That was a crack the expensive bottle of champagne kind of day. I was like, thank God. Because he just had the whole team by the balls and was just squeezing and squeezing and squeezing until like we had, we had no fight left. Like, we just stopped caring about being the best, being the team. Like, you can come play at ours, but you're not going to win. It's going to be too cold. We're going to be too rough. We're going to have everybody in your face, like, all the time. Like, we're used to that. Like, we, we have the benefit of a quarterback who can sling it 70 yards with frostbite. Like, essentially, that's what he plays. Every December, he's got frostbite, slinging the ball 70 yards. He'd hack a finger off and he'd lose a yard, maybe, 69, 68 yards out there. But we, we, um, that's, that's just the best fucking thing I've ever heard anyone say about Aaron Rodgers. That's, yeah. that's great. That's like a real Dan Campbell attitude, which is, I, I love that. You know, that's, that's incredible. I think, I think Rodgers is that tough though, but, but I'll let, I'll let you continue. Yeah. He, he, I think he gets underrated. I don't know about you. I think he gets underrated, like how much, not just like physically tough, like mentally tough he is. 
He is one of the most scrutinized quarterbacks in the league. Like Brady's up there, but everybody hates Brady because he wins. They hate people that win what he has all the accolades and all the trophies. People hate Rogers because he's arrogant and he will he will say what he thinks. Like James Jones had issues with Aaron Rodgers. Greg Jennings had issues with Aaron Rodgers. Like they think he's an arrogant prima donna California boy. Yeah, he is, but he backs it up. So what? Like why why do people care? how much of an arrogant prick he is when every single year, even when he's injured, he he, he misses games, gets 2,800 yards and 25 touchdowns and misses six Like, he, he comes out, like, the game against the Bears we had, like, a while ago, he had six touchdowns and just stopped playing. Like, he didn't care about getting the seven for equaling the record, getting the eight to be against a woeful Bears team. He didn't care. He just started laughing. Like, he, he was throwing just out routes. <laughs> to Greg Jennings, just or, and like Jordy Jones, Jordy uh, Nelson, just doing just little, little darts out wide, getting like two yards on a play. And he's got 500 yards and almost in six touchdowns. Like, he is that good that he doesn't care about like what people think about him. Like, he's just like, okay, but like, he goes out there, he's like normal, like, he seems so normal compared to other quarterbacks. There's some quarterbacks you look at and they're like, he's just a robot, or like for me, like Brady, he's the corporate image, like he's keep it on the straight and narrow. Everything is perfect business. Like, and he's the, I just do what I want. I don't care. My receiver's talking shit about me. I'll talk shit about him. I don't care. He better catch the ball on Sunday. I'll throw a long body trophy. Yeah. Yeah. People, people, hate, people, people hate Rogers because of the way he is, but Jordy Nelson didn't mind. He he racked up what eight nine thousand yards. Just like he's a great receiver. Would he have done it with anybody but Rogers? Probably not. Randall Cobb certainly wouldn't have got paid the money he got paid without Aaron Rodgers. That man robbed many many people of a lot of money. Like off two years, off a receiver just slinging the ball, and he goes and get just looking over shotgun. Oh, it's coming. Yep, there we go. Got it. Like he he is. The most talented ever for me, with and it's not even remotely close. Mahomes might get there, but like talent-wise, nobody can throw it further. Nobody can throw it better on the run. It's like you look at the Cowboys game to to Jared Cook. That that for me is one of the best throws ever. Turning away across his body, like you won't find. to win but does, does do people look at him as a gr- greater than Peyton Manning because Peyton's one uh, it's like every year we, we don't win it's well, he might go to San Francisco he might go there now like a couple like a couple years too late but he might go there now and it's just like Please never leave us. Like we're, we're like the clingy girlfriend. He's he's we're the clingy girlfriend. He's all we've got. Like really, consistency wise, we haven't had anybody we can rely on like that. Like Clay Matthews leaves, Jordy Nelson leaves, Randall Cobb leaves, uh, Charles Woodson goes back to the Raiders. Like we have all these players, and then they just like go, and then the person still there is Rogers throwing the ball to. Nobody, nobody who we drafted in the seventh round, and he's got a 180 yard game. 
Like the receivers we've had have hundred yard games purely because he's just said, run really fast and I'll find you. Yeah, well, there's a question I, I, I think that needs to be asked. Is, is that why it kind of hurts you when you see teams end up with great receivers where you could have picked them up like a, a DK Metcalf, an AJ Brown, uh, a Justin Jefferson? Because Aaron is clearly elevating the talent around him, but then you could have another... Does Does that just seem like... Front office incompetence, do you think it's... I know you're obviously a publicly owned team, so you guys should really have more of a say, but, like, do you feel like that's incompetence of the management and the GMs, or or do you think it's an over-reliance on Rodgers can do it with what he's got? Yeah, I, I think it's... He's been so good for so long that they have grown into the habit of being so stingy with their money. like. We give big contracts out and we lose cap space because we give decent contracts to mediocre players and like never pay anybody big. We always end up paying way less than the average and never the premium. Like when we went out and got Preston Smith, Darius Smith, um, Adrian Amos, and like that whole offseason, I was just staring at my phone the whole time. Like I think they have. They've obviously gone to like somewhere like the Raiders who will spend like no tomorrow. And I kept seeing it like, oh, great, we'll do this again next year. And then we didn't. We got Christian Kirksey and like not really anybody. And we like, like, like Blake Martinez wasn't a great player, but like he, he did a job. He did way more than Christian Kirksey did. And we let him go to the Giants, which I mean, he was woeful there, but that's besides the point. He didn't do bad for us. But it's just they were like, he's that good. That they're like, oh, we don't need an NDS. But that's not how it worked. Because every year, we can put up with the offense. We find running backs here and there. Like, Eddie Lacy had a few great years and then got the size yeah, of... ate himself out of the league. <laughs> yeah, he got one of the most bad I've ever seen a human being in my life. I was like, why is Don Tare Poe playing running back for us? I was about um, to say, like, a 300-pound running back only really works in high school. Yeah, where he just beats up all the 14-year-old kids that are running out first. <laughs> yeah, he, exactly. But like we 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 can we can we can manage. Like we we lost Aaron Jones this year. Like say we lose him, AJ Dillon can do a job for a year. We run the ball enough but not that much. We have never been traditionally known for having a running game. Eddie Lacy was one of the first people since like Amon Green go back a long time ago that actually got their touches. We can put up with a decent receiver and a great receiver and fiddle it around. But we have no – like, they don't spend money on defense because they're like, oh, Aaron Rodgers will give him a nice $10 million a year for right tackle from the Lions in Wagner, who we just cut. And it's like, like, what did he do? Nothing. He turned up for a year. He was as good as somebody we, we could have picked up in a second round. Maybe he's a bit more, like – knowledgeable about the game he's a veteran he knows the league a little bit more he knows the division well obviously playing with with the lions for a long time but it's like we, we always look at him and go that'll do that'll be enough for him he's good enough that'll be enough oh he doesn't have a good right tackle he'll run away from everybody and it's like it's like the um the lebron meme where the guy does the impression of one where he's like i'm 36 like that's gonna be rogers this year he's just gonna be screaming i'm 36 when yeah. our offensive line start to break down and Bakhtiari 
probably will be injured again. Like he's getting older, he's building a history. Like we don't want the turnstiles like the Chiefs had. Like we don't want that. Like they can put up with that because Mahomes is twenty six. Rogers is ten years older. Like he can't deal with that kind of punishment. The last time he took big punishment, he was injured. He missed most of the season. So, what do you want to see from the twenty twenty one draft from the Green Bay Packers? What what sh- what what would you like to see them go in on in the early rounds? Defense, just general defense. Interior linebackers. I've not looked at it too much, but like it's not. From what I know, it's not the deepest. And like when, like especially with interior linebackers, when you get to the late twenties, are you really picking up like somebody who's going to be the next Bobby Wagner? Probably not. Like it's few and far between. You'd find anybody like that in the first fifteen picks. Like he'd be gone early on. Do we need another another corner? If Kevin King's still there, yes, yes, we do. Because that's one side of the field where it's like, well, that's a, that's a mistake, Quint. And when we play against two strong receivers, like Matt Ryan, okay, yeah, not the best, but like he has Ridley and Jones. Jones will be shadowed well enough by Alexander, but like Calvin Ridley is going to toast King. So we, we need to go in early. Um, obviously, Patrick Sertain from Alabama will be long gone before we even get a pick. Like... This draft gonna... is packed with corner talent, though. I did. I I scouted all the corners for this year's draft guide out now at fullturnyards.com forward slash shop. Little plug there. Um, but I scouted all the corners. And there is an abundance of talent in, in corners in this year's draft. And I think a guy who... You know, every, every, I've probably done three podcasts on just this one player so far in Elijah Molden out of Washington. There's all these guys who are so ready to just be top level talent and even if you guys trade up and you maybe go for a, a jc horn or a caleb farley or something like that i know that's very early on but it might be worth trading up for that if you have these concerns about kevin king which by the way was the biggest shock re-sign of the entire offseason for me even more shocking than the patriots actually spending money so like like do you think what if they go offense, though? This is my question, because it seems like you don't want to give Aaron Rodgers any help. But what if you go out there and you go for, like, a guy who could go late in the first round, like a Terrence Marshall Jr., a big six-foot-four target, or a Rashad Bateman, or a Rondale Moore for Aaron Rodgers? Would you, would you be disappointed if you saw that, or would you still have the same level of excitement as if you went and bolstered that defense? I'd be excited. It's more uh, offense is exciting. As a Packers fan, the thing you look forward to is when 12 walks on the field and starts with with the smirk on his face like he's better than everybody else. Like my dad's richer than your dad. Look on his face. Every time oh, everybody looks and goes, okay, he's going to do something. Like it could be a three and out, but it's like, oh, he's going to do something or something crazy is almost going to happen. And if we, if we bolster an offense, we, we get a nice receiver. We, we, like, get somebody who I think what we need is a receiver. We've got a rap runner and a big physical guy in Adams. He's 6'4". Uh, like, like 6'3", six, six, whatever, semantics. But, like, he's a big big enough guy where he can get physical with corners. Like, he didn't really seem to mind Jalen Ramsey, who he puts his hands over everybody, as, um like, a lot of people know. Like, he's 
locked up Jones. He's locked up AJ Green when he was in his front. Like, he's done that. And Adams didn't have a problem. We need a speedster. We need a guy who, when Rogers throws the ball 70 yards, he's 10 yards ahead of everybody else. And the ball's just dropping into his hands. I would have loved to have, if he didn't have such a blazing 40 time, I, I really hoped for like Henry Ruggs if we couldn't get Jefferson last year. His 40 time obviously shifted him way higher than he should have been taken last year. But like somebody like that, but with skill, like still can run a few routes, doesn't just run in a strip. Not like John Ross, who's just like a track team player for. Yeah, all legs, no hands. Many yeah, <laughs> yeah, all legs, no hands. But defense is what we need because if we can score 40 with who we've got. We haven't really lost thing like offensively. Like offensive line, yes, we have. And we've lost like a second or third string running back. But like receiving core, it's still there. It works. Valdez Skyton can do a job. Tonyan obviously caught a lot of touchdowns. He was great in the red zone. Like he he was just like he was good down the middle overall. Like he was a distraction because of all the touchdowns he was getting last year. There was a lot to catch. If Rogers had forty eight, there was a lot of him to get hold of. But the Lazard actually looked decent last year as well. I will say that. The Lizard yeah. boy. He yeah, was good. They're, they're not bad. They're serviceable receivers who, when they become available, will probably be overpaid by another team. They will be overpaid by like the likes of the Eagles, the Giants, the Browns. They're the sort of teams that will pick receivers up like that and be like, they're the number one. And they're not number one, guys. It's like Cobb. When Cobb left us, the, the Cowboys were like, oh, he's going to be good. And then I don't even remember seeing him like make a play all year. I was like, oh, we're going to get through. Is that him? Does he have 18 on? Is he still wearing 18? Like, you never, like, he makes players like Cobb look great. I love Cobb for the, the like, breakout year he had in, I think it was, like, 2013, 2014. But when he left, what did he do? He, he was great in the playoffs before that. He had that suspect push-off touchdown against the Giants when Rodgers just heaved it. At the end, we just give it a little push. But we need defense. Like, if we drop 40 a game, but they're getting 30 back on us, that doesn't look good for teams that have got good defenses. That doesn't look good for a team like, like obviously, the Cardinals coming up now. I think they're going to be a great team this year. I think they're going to be fit with all the signings they've made and, like, the way they've structured their team. Like, would we beat them? Because they could score a lot of points. They've got a lot of great players. But then they pick up a player like J.J. Watt. If he's harassing Aaron Rodgers all day, he's not going to be able to swing the ball 60, 70 yards down the field to somebody. We, we need to keep them out too so Rodgers doesn't have to go out and get 505 touchdowns and make sure he throws three incompletions and no picks. Like We keep expecting that he'll burn out and we'll drop from a 13-win team to a 7-win team because he'll be too tired, he'll be, too, he'll be injured then Jordan, I don't, there's no love involved with that man. His name is the only time I'm going to associate love with him ever. Like it's not, it's it's not sustainable without defense. Like when we had a defense before, we won. Like that was like right after I like got into watching the NFL and the Packers. We signed Charles Woodson a couple of years after. He comes in, we win. Going back to when we won it with Favre. We signed Reggie White. We signed a big dog. We win. JJ Watt, he was there. He was a. We've restructured, what, seven contracts this year? 
like Bakhtiari was restructured, Zedarius Smith, Preston Smith, Funchess, Amos, um, Billy Turner, I think, got a restructure. But we freed up money, and what was there? Like, he's from Wisconsin. Why didn't we? That, that was the player we had to go and get. Then we can take whoever we want in the draft. We could take all projected undrafted people if we got one, because that's pressure. That's that is an alpha on the on the field when Rogers isn't there. We don't have an alpha the other side anymore, and that's our biggest issue. We have all these young up and comers, but like potential only lasts so long. Yeah. Uh... I think as long you just need that big guy who can sort of inspire the defense out of the locker room, which is what JJ Watt would have added. I, I think that was a massive missed opportunity for the Green Bay Packers. I think he would have more than loved to have played in his home state. But let, let's move away from because I think your team is set up to win immediately in, in the next few years at, at this point. And I, I, I think until Rogers is gone, you until maybe that you guys need to look at maybe rebuilding and restructuring everyone. But let's talk about how you became a Green Bay Packers fan, because in terms of iconic NFL teams, they are kind of up there. When we talk about the most well-known teams globally, obviously boss man, Tim, he's a Cowboys fan. I am a Patriots fan. And there's a couple other teams. We talked to Raj last week about the Miami Dolphins. But the Green Bay Packers are pro probably up there as one of the most iconic franchises in NFL history. They, in my mind, are America's team more than the Dallas Cowboys. Just from the way they're the only publicly yes, owned team. Are. The fans are the owners. And that's what everyone loves about them. But how did you become a Green Bay Packers fan? It, it was a weird one. It was a game was on Sky, uh, I think like 2009. And this was back before like it was three games a Sunday, Monday night, like Thursday night games. This was like, it was like one or two a week, maybe. Or like you'd catch the old show they used to have on like Channel 5. And I remember just watching and like my family will be an Irish. I was like, oh, sweet, it's a team in green. So just sat down, I started watching. I was like, none of this makes any sense. I was like, what? Why has it been an hour, but the second quarter is not over yet kind of thing? And it was the Packers playing, and it was not long after Rodgers just got the starting job. And I think it was a year he had about like 2,800 yards. And I, I saw a play, I think I think we were playing the Detroit Lions, and there was a play in the game. I was like, oh, my God, what a play. I think this was right after they drafted Stafford, and obviously they had Megatron. And I was watching it, and I was like, oh, my God, he looks like an animal. And then Rogers just slings the ball down there. James Jones reels it in over the shoulder, like sliding on the ground down to the five. And I was like, wow, he's good. I was like, I'm going to keep watching them. And like on the dial-up internet, like looking up, it's like Packers score the next, because I could never watch the games. Like the benefit of it being like eat, like close to like East Coast time, cent I think, yeah, Central time is like, it's like six hours for me. I was like, oh, great. Like I might be able to catch if they've got an early game and they're on TV. And it was like once every two months. But I was always checking. I was like going to school on a Monday. Like first thing I do is go into like the IT room in the morning. Like, did the Packers win today? Like kind of thing. And it started popping up more. I started following it more. I started like buying Madden games. Like when I was buying that, it was like turn all like restrictions of salary cap off. I was signing like all the best players to play with Aaron Rodgers. I was like, he's so good. He needs all the best players. I was doing everything the Packers don't do in real life. Like they just need to turn all the sliders off and just spend money that doesn't even exist. But that's just how I got into it. And I was like watching other games. Like I'd watched the Super Bowl when it was on, and like we didn't make it. 
the first year I started following when I like, started like week six or seven. And then the following year, I watched the whole thing and Rogers was great. And then the next season was like the pinnacle for me. I like tried to watch every game. I was like looking for illegal streams. I was like, trying to get all the highlights on YouTube before like there were like the NFL channel put all the highlights like two seconds after the plays happened. I was like looking up for people like Packers Man 24 with one subscriber who's illegally recording on his terrible like Samsung flip phone. And then we hit 2011, Rogers wins the MVP, we win the title. And it like just kept going from there because I was still I was still young I was like fifteen sixteen like I didn't really know anything about it. I was still trying to understand it and it was like playing in the games like they wore green like I love green all my family from Ireland that's how I picked my sports teams in America I picked the Celtics and the Packers just purely because they wore green and it it's been what 12, 12 years now of just praying that we we win more than we do and like get into the Super Bowl was so nice like only a couple of years after i was like oh we're quite good i was like i looked in and i knew about the patriots i knew about the cowboys for some reason i knew about the raiders like i know they're like a pretty historic team but like they were absolutely dog shit at the time when i first got into it like this was two years removed from jamarcus russell so like this is a terrible time to be an oakland raiders fan and i just i was like oh this is pretty cool he he, he seems cool he seems confident and arrogant and that's that's what i liked about him from the beginning it it wasn't just oh he like grew arrogance as he got older and better it was like when he got drafted it was like he like i've watched all the clips back it's like he's an arrogant bastard and i love it because that's how i'd be if i was as good as him i would be like that i would be are you better than me obviously not like your best year me with no legs like cut his legs off and like there are quarterbacks who've started for 10 years that can only produce what he would be like with no legs and half an arm. Like, it, it makes it just it just endears me more to the team and like players like Charles Woodson. Like Charles Woodson is probably my favorite packer ever. Like as a person, all the interviews, all the punditry and stuff he does. He was the first packer I followed on Twitter. Like when I started my Twitter in like 20, 2011, 2010, 2011. Charles Woodson was the first one I followed. And like those two players were just iconic for me. And I loved Clay Matthews. Um, like the picture of him with the World Heavyweight Championship from the Super Bowl over his shoulder. Like that is one of my favorite pictures ever. That was my phone background for like five years. And it just all stemmed from that. There were so many players I just loved as individuals. Like I, I just loved. And then Julius Peppers was another one. I just loved the fact that he used to play for the Bears and then he played for us. And like he played for the Panthers. I was like, good, we hate the Bears. And it, it just stemmed from there and it's kept going. And I, I had the great benefit of one of my housemates at uni being a Bears fan. And the only jersey he had was from a London game. The a torment. Goes, the torment. You, the intergalactic beef that would have happened in that household after a, a divisional matchup must have been crazy. Yeah. Well, we got our first year in Halls 2016 was um, obviously the year we went to the um, NFC Championship game. That was the year. Like we were like getting to know each other and getting shit, like getting shit about like losing games and whatever. And then we get to the playoffs. Like we play the Bears in a six, like six o'clock UK time. And he's like, "Oh, I think we'll beat you today." And this is like the prime of like Jay Cutler just being the ultimate meme. And I was like, "But that donkey in there, absolutely not." And we actually trashed him. I think it was like thirty-five to seven. And then we get onto like the playoffs. We go through the wild card. We beat the Giants. 
we beat the Cowboys. And then he, he like half admitted, he goes, oh, I don't know, you might beat the Falcons. And after we lost to the Falcons, I, I couldn't live it down. Like, I was delighted when like the break came up and everybody went home for a week. I was like, I don't have to listen to this anymore. This is just killing me. But it was great. His Bears jersey had peppers on it. I was like, he looks good in the NFC Championship game. Shame the Bears never really did much <laughs> with any of that. And that's what I loved. It was it was like the Bears. I was like, he hated them so much. He changed his number from 90 to 56. And that's where it grew. Like Being more ingrained in like American culture made me love it more. Like The more I got like ingrained with the culture and like understanding, obviously, I went over there for a couple of years to work like that made me love it more because I was closer like the first year I went over there the first thing I did after I finished working in the summer like we finished on like the 19th of August the 20th first thing I did flight straight to Green Bay cost me almost nothing just to go stand outside Lambeau Field and just like take it in and like see it like seeing it is something I wanted to do for ages but that made the love even more like like it made it even bigger for me and more important just watching them like walk around the stadium, like all these personnel people and looking at it and thinking, this is the home really of football, like NFL football. Like we are, we have all these historic players that like winning Super Bowls right at the beginning, obviously not so much now, but that's besides the point. But it's the love there just started from, I liked Rogers. I liked how arrogant and cocky was. I liked Charles Woodson, like seeing Charles Woodson get like eight picks in a season. And every time he was the opposite, he was the calm, collected, like gets a pick. He's hyped, but he's very formulaic in the way he is. He's head screwed on. Dick Clay Matthews, just look at he looking like a surfer, but he'd also rip your head off. Like, like we had so many personalities on the team. I just loved it from there. It was just fortunate. That was the first game I really bought on TV that I was like, oh, I might watch this because I was always a football guy, like English. That's how it is growing up. Yeah. American sports are so much more like bombastic and in your face. It's it's actually a a nice change of pace to have a guy like Aaron Rodgers when footballers out here who show their ego are are kind of just shunned by the media. Yeah. It's like the Sundays were Premier League. It was Super Sunday. It was, I would wait for Man United, uh, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea. Like that was just Super Sunday. And then it came on to like NFL weeks and I was like watching it and my brother would be like, what are you doing? Like, why are you watching that? Doesn't it take like six hours? I was like, no, it only takes three. Thank you. And they're like, oh, why do you like them? I was like, they just wear green. I just like the green. I like the quarterback. He's good. He's fun to watch. I was like, the rest of our players are pretty, like, but we're pretty fun. And then we got better. We signed Charles Woodson and then that was it. The rest was history, as they say. I, I, I will say... You do have an advantage over a lot of other uh, English fans. You've actually spent a lot of time in America. Uh, you do like, a, what is it, the YMCA camp out here. So, like, yeah. you've spent a lot more time in America. Do you think that made it, like, easier to sort of get more into football and stuff, given that you spent time out here and you got to experience it a bit more than maybe the average English fan? Yeah, def- definitely later on. It was, like... It was weird to see because, like, the way American sports are conveyed over here, just like over the top and a bit too fresh, and like it's a big show. But like, like you said, going over there to work was a lot later on. Like in my, I've been supporting the Vikings for about eight years, but I'd never known anybody apart from people that would go to like London games, be able to go to 
like a stadium over there and watch a game. I just like casually follow it. Anybody I talked about here that isn't like a fan, a proper fan, they're like, oh yeah, I watched the Super Bowl on TV. Oh yeah, like I was walking through London. There's like people all around. There's like a big festival going on because there's a game on. I was like, well, yeah, like I've like I went to like Bengals preseason games. I went all the way um, to the Colts over to the Colts stadium to watch the Colts and Packers. So I've I've seen the Packers play once in a preseason game against the Colts, and Aaron Rodgers played probably about five minutes. And I was just like, oh, he's my favorite player. But I like, throw it. I was like, oh, God, I can't wait. He's going to sling one for 70 yards. He played for about five minutes. And most of the time, we were just running the ball. But like but having that opportunity, like I said, to go over there, see stadiums. Like Even I spent some time in Chicago just visiting. Like I hate the Bears, but I had to go to Soldier Field. I was like, aside from Lambeau Field, that's probably where we've got our most wins. So I was like, oh, that's pretty much like our second home ground. We may as well just go over look and see where we pick up. A win, at least a win a year and like it's just things like that being close to the obviously I know like same with you being like close to the Bengals stadium and stuff like you have an affinity to the Bengals and my love for the NFL like branched out to other like players and teams like the more it grew especially going over to America I started to like the Bengals I liked the Bengals before because prior to me going there I went to the Bengals Browns London game I don't know if you remember the double overtime tie uh, they missed like six field goals and the two of it. That's the first like experience the Bengals I'd ever had. And I was there and that was the first London game I'd went to with friends. I had never, I'd always went on my own. And just, To be like, fair, it's the most there, Bengals like, experience you could ever have. Yeah. And then going to Cincinnati, you know exactly what it's like for just Cincinnati sports in general. And I just, I just loved it from then on. And it was like seeing different players, like as much as it pains me to say, I'd never really really like the Bears player ever and they're just off the table but like Detroit like Detroit players I, I, I like Matt Stafford I like obviously he's he's gone now RIP to Detroit Matt Stafford but he's in a bad place now Calvin Johnson is probably my favorite non-packer of all time like, I loved Calvin Johnson like because I came in when he had those years of like oh they're just going to throw out this six foot five behemoth and he's going to catch it. Like, I loved Adrian Peterson. So like that, when our division games came on TV, it was like, it's not just like now where it's like, oh, we're probably going to win. We're going to like clean the division out this year and lose like a stupid game to the Vikings in like week 14 because we've got too many injuries. It's like we had like Adrian Peterson's like 2,000 yard year. I remember watching that and I was like, God, I hate the Vikings, but that man is ridiculous. Calvin Johnson's 1,900 yard year. I was like, Jesus Christ, like, he's, he's had a couple of hundred against us this year, so that's probably helped him out. Like, it just it all stemmed from that. Being over there, like, the way people follow it and the tailgating and, like, how big the stadiums are. Like, I don't think a lot of English fans really understand, like, most stadiums are, what, 60,000? Like, it's, like, small. Like, that, that, my, my British friends back home who aren't super immersed in football always get shocked when I tell them about college. Because, you know, Penn oh, State yeah. regularly fill 110,000 people. Michigan, who are a shit team, regularly fill 110,000 people in a stadium. And it, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. But it, it, you, you've obviously been to football grounds back in England. And yeah. you live in Reading. And, you know, I lived in Newbury for many years so I spent many a time at the Majeski but even though the Majeski is kind of like a, a, a smaller ground in ter terms of football 
American stadiums just dwarf almost everything besides maybe the new Tottenham ground, which has been turned into an NFL ground essentially. And Wembley. Yeah. There's not really anything that compares. Yeah, I, I like frequently go to Stanford Bridge a lot, and where, where I work now is like out of my office window. You can see the Majeski like right there. I'm like, oh, that's nice. I'm like, I was I went to Lambert Field, which is what like set. I think it's like seventy eight thousand people, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is the biggest thing I've ever seen. And the way it's set out because it is so old school, it like it has that history to it because it looks old. It doesn't look like a Tottenham Stadium or a Wembley where it looks like a perfectly crafted architectural masterpiece. It's just chairs and grass, and it's huge, and a lot of things have happened there. A lot of wins, a lot of championships, a lot of great players have come in and out. And like seeing, being able to see it, like trying to explain to people when I first went over to America, like the only place I want to go. They're like, oh, I'm going to go to California, I'm going to go to New York, I'm going to go to Miami. So I want to go to Green Bay, Wisconsin, go look at this majestic stadium and see all the history in the place and like just like because i i'd read up about it like when i get into something especially with the nfl when i got into it i was like watching like the whole draft from like 2002 i was like none of these players even play anymore like reading up on old players like seeing all the mvps from like 95 through to present day and like checking about that it's just it is a completely different experience it's a completely different culture and just the sheer amount of people like the atmospheres don't compare because it's different sports that you won't see people at nfl games singing like the sort of songs you'd hear at a football game for three hours because it's just too much but it's the just everybody is locked in for those three hours just staring at like and it's what the, the players can do. I think that's what switched it up for me in like trying to enjoy a new sport apart from football is I tell everybody I know still to this day, I'm like, yeah, like he's nice, he's quick, he's whatever. I go watch an NFL game. There's five people faster than him for one team and they don't even play. I said, they, they are, for me, the pinnacle of all athletes. They are freaks, size, speed, strength, skill, like average respect like average receivers can do some incredible things because the skill level is that high. Like it is such a, for so many people on a team, it's so selective about who's great and who's not and who can do this and who can't. And being fast doesn't get you as far as it would in a sport like football. Like in football, you can rob a career on being quick. In the NFL, they cut you after three years if all you are. It's like a John Ross. Like he's yeah, gone. Like you have to have a very complete skill set to complete uh, to compete in the nfl i think or to compete at any level especially when you watch like d1 athlete eats and stuff like that and, and and even then the nfl is so head and shoulders above what these college teams can do i mean look at lsu they had 16 nfl starters on their roster in 2019 that's just guys who got drafted 20 players ended up going to the NFL and look how much of a difference that made when they beat the living shit out of everyone they played that year. It, it like no team even ran close with them. So the fact that a million kids play high school football every single year, but then only 256 get drafted every year. That, that really shows the level of talent. It's, it's not like when you're in, 
the UK and stuff and you can go to an academy team when you're young and you, you know you can work your way up like that because there's thousands there's literally thousands of high paying jobs in football as a player I mean in the Premier League alone there's hundreds and hundreds and then the championship there's even more and then as you go down more and more and more so it, it is the the you have to be so talented to get where you are. And I, I think that's what a lot of English fans don't understand. And what probably many of them don't understand as well is that pads do not stop you getting hurt. This is the yeah. argument I see from a lot of mainly fucking Tories, if I'm honest, who uh, played, <laughs> yeah. rugby, played rugby at school or whatever. And they're like, well, yes, well, the pads, they must be pussies. Well, tell, I, I don't think you'd want uh, Adrian Peterson trucking you, even if you were wearing pads and he wasn't. The, these guys are like the most supremely talented people of all time. They're super athletes to get to the point they're at. It, it's, that must be the hardest thing for you to explain to other Brits who uh, aren't sort of in the know about the NFL, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's like well, the big hits. The, my favourite is the big hit compilations. Like, put those on for other Brits and be like, okay, another good example, like a few, like going back to the Legion of Boom uh, Seahawks. I was like, okay, like it's a, it's a pussy sport, is it? I was like, Cam Chancellor and Bobby Wagner run full speed into you, like 4-4 four, four speed at 250 pounds each, six foot four. Like, like Cam Chancellor was my favorite example of look at the size of this man. Like, show, show me a player in any other sport aside from the NBA that big and that fast and that strong. Like, all combined. Either like football, you're big and you're strong. You're small and you're quick. You're skilled. And like, there's, there's no examples, bar maybe one or two, like Ronaldo, maybe. Is he who's brought all the physical attributes and the skill together. And you look at people like Cam Chancellor, Bobby Wagner, like Sean Taylor, obviously rest in peace, like watching videos of him from before I even watched the NFL of how hard they would hit people. And it's like, oh yeah, they've got a nice bit of padding on, but they all still probably all get concussed, what, three, four, five times a season, all of them, and just don't say anything about it. Like that is true grit and like strength. And like willpower is you can have a player like that. You can have uh, like an old Thomas run head first into you and just clatter you and you just stand up. Like that speaks to the skill and the strength of players who they draw stuff, catch the passes one handed. Like Julio Jones is my favorite example. It's like people watching people just run head first into him and he just like sucks the tackle. It's like if Adrian Peterson like could truck in six foot four linebackers so if he patted me on the back after saying hello to me i'd probably i probably wouldn't be able to breathe for days like just the strength and the speed and everything is it's just unbelievable it's hard to even explain because it doesn't make sense until you like engross yourself into it and you actually look at how hard they hit each other and like the best example now is look at derrick henry like people running full speed into him and he's just like brushing them off and like they run full speed into an average guy like me, you. It's like, well, I could be dead. Like they could kill me if they ran into me like that. And he's just like, oh, just get off me. Guy's six it's five. It's not like they're running two, slow either. These dudes are hitting like 18, 19 miles an hour sometimes downhill. It's absolutely ridiculous speeds they're running at. And I, I think a lot of British fans won't appreciate how big these guys are as well until you see them up close. Cause you like when I went to watch the Super Bowl in Atlanta, 
I, w- I was close to the field, but it, it was nothing to when, say, I'll go to a college game when I was in Toledo and you see these guys up close. And even though they're not quite NFL size, all of them, they're big lads. And then the same as when I um I hung um, me and Taryn took a drive down to Paul Brown and we hung around outside the ground for a bit of, and I had like a look around and stuff. And then saw the players coming out of like the training rooms and stuff. These dudes are huge, like six six, three hundred pound linemen who all drive trucks because that's literally the only type of car they can fit their big bodies in. It, it's ridiculous to see because they are absolute physical specimens. It's so crazy how big these guys get and still manage to be super athletic. And I think that's one thing the British fans wouldn't appreciate until they got up close. Yeah, like you don't, you don't like know until. Like you're there and you see it, and like I remember, um, I was down by the pool round for a while, and like, I saw AJ Green get out of like a car, and I was like, Jesus Christ! Like I'm a tall guy, I'm six two, but like that man made me look like, I, like if I walked next to him, it'd be like, oh cool, that, that's like a child next to him, and it's like I'm six two, twenty four years old, and I'm, I'd just be like, oh hi, like he's up here, he's he's two twenty, he runs four four five four six speed. Like, that, like people don't understand how fast that is. Like when 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 you think about like that, like to the the average NFL fan, that doesn't hold a lot of meaning. And then you really dig deep into what that is. Like four or five speed is rapid. Like you are faster than ninety nine percent of the people on the planet. Like and you're taller than ninety nine percent of the people on the planet. You weigh more. Than most of the people and you've combined all of that and also you can catch almost anything thrown at you in any position you can adjust your body you can catch it one-handed over your head you can catch it over three people it, it doesn't i i don't think people comprehend comprehend how like unrealistic these people are they are all create now every nfl player has to be like a created player on Madden. they all have to be built like you look at like a dk metcalf like he doesn't look like a real person. Like he's he a looks freak. Like... He's a freak. Yeah. And like he's Isaiah scary. Simmons is another one. Like you look at him, it's like how is he real? Like how is he that fast and that good? At four different positions. Like how how is he that good at that? And then you see people are like, oh, he's a great football player. So like, yeah, he can only use one of his feet, and he plays one position against crap teams. And when he plays good teams, he's awful. And then it's like Isaiah Simmons is good against. Fast guys, strong guys, big guys, guys that just want to throw him to the floor and belly flop on him. Like, and he he's young. Like, think how good he could be. And obviously, people have spoken about that to a huge extent about like his potential and how good he is at all these things. But it's just examples of that. They come in at twenty two years old and they are built like three people. Like, they are the size of three normal people, and they do everything. And it it, it just is it's unrealistic. They are all created players like it's like just like let's make somebody who shouldn't really exist and it's it's incredible really to just think about it and really actually take the time to get and go wow like they are everything you'd want in any kind of athlete like half of them like receivers as how many of them have been like track stars who've been like probably qualifying olympic time speed 
but they've got the skill and that's even strong. guys like even quarterbacks are doing that more recently guys like robert griffin he was on the baylor track team until he blew his acl out that that takes skill and then you got guys like cordero patterson as well who are just the speed they're running olympic times at the 100 meter dash it's crazy yeah it's, it's like and there are so many nfl players that aren't just good at football it's like you look at like antonio gates tony gonzalez they're basketball players traditionally like antonio gates didn't even play football like he was just like oh i'll try this and he was great probably one of the best titans ever like players like that and then you look like going back years and years like Deion sanders two sports baseball another one uh, you look at more recently like patrick mahomes like he, he they were like, oh, what's he going to do? Is he going to play foot? Like, he's Kyler a, Murray as he, well. He was drafted in the first round of the MLB draft and the NFL draft, which is just ridiculous to think about. Yeah, it's, it's, players, it's players like Russell Wilson's another one. Russell Wilson could have been a baseball player. Like he, they, like when, when he was in college, they made him pick. He had to pick. He had to choose which one was his career. That's how skilled these players are. They are... Oh, shall I go make a hundred mil in the NFL, or shall I go make a hundred mil in baseball? Like, wh- where do I want to make a hundred mil? Do I want to make it on a diamond, or do I want to make it on a gridiron? Like, that's how skilled they are. And it goes so under the radar to like so many casual fans and like British fans getting into it straight away. They're like, "Oh, this is cool. The Patriots are cool. England, yay!" But I get obviously you being a Patriots fan, that's what they see, but they don't see Rob Gronkowski catching touchdowns for years for the Patriots. Like he's he's like a robot. So building a robot, like he's so large and so skilled. Like it doesn't make sense how they you if you see Rob Gronkowski as just a normal person in the street, somebody built like him, looks like him, talks like him, walks like him, you just think that's just a big dumb fuck. Like who who is this like you look at him like Lenny from of mice and men. In normal life he's a Lenny from mice and men. That's what he is. But then you put him in pads and in a helmet, he's one of the greatest Titans, if not the greatest Titan of all time. Like and he, he makes... somehow has a college education. Yeah, yeah, that is. I'm not even sure. Read, but... Yeah, I'm definitely. Not... He definitely can't read after all the hits he's taken in the head. He definitely <laughs> can't read anymore. The but worst that, he ever took was when he flipped into an end zone and landed on his own head. I was like, wow, that's 260 pounds coming down on your neck right now. What the fuck? And he got up. Yeah, but yeah. It's crazy. These, these people are ridiculous super athletes. And you see it. The craziest part is when you have families in the NFL, right? And you have obviously the Bosa brothers, the Watt brothers. Watt. And bringing it back to the Packers here. Clay Matthews has seven family members who've been through the NFL. What the fuck are they eating in that family? I'm pretty sure these sons were just born out of his dad having sex with like a pallet of ground beef. And then his sons just emerged <laughs> from it. Like they're absolutely huge human beings. It doesn't look normal. It's fucking crazy to me to think about that. Yeah. that you have to be like this, though, to be in this sport. It is ridiculously hard to make it. It is physically punishing. It. I think it's telling to the level of talent and the physical punishment that you take that that average NFL career is three years. That's what it averages out at. And that's probably a talent thing more than it is 
the you know but most guys are retired by the time they're 30 in skill positions you not many people are like a 35 year old wide receiver like a larry fitzgerald or something most guys are gone by that time unless they're the top of the top of the top and they're they're like a russell wilson who spends a million dollars a year on looking after his body you get a guy who just half asses it you get Jay Cutler and, and things like this, who who are it's supremely talented, but they just don't give a shit, and and they've you know they flame out very very quickly despite the amount of talent, which just proves that this is a sport where no matter how talented you are, it is also about your work ethic. Yeah, it is, and like you see all the videos, and it, they are like hype videos, and they are they're like they're movie trailers essentially, like the Hard Knocks, JJ Watt. That's like a movie trailer. That it's all like. Watch me, like, I'm going to get, stand in front of the machine and rip all the skin off my hands and catch the ball when, like, I don't even play a position that requires me to catch the ball that often. Obviously, he, he had a stint in a tight end for a while there, and he obviously had that unreal pick six where he did the worst nene of all time into the end zone. But, like, he doesn't require to do that, but, like, the level of commitment, you see them putting in all the hours, all the money, like you spoke about, like, Russell Wilson, like, you look at, like, Tom Brady, the TB12 method, like the amount of money and infrastructure he's put around that commitment is the reason he lasts long. And that's the perfect explanation. If you don't put it in, you don't last. You put in Aaron Rodgers at the end of the day, goes out there and slings the ball around and runs around and keeps fit. Like he's not the biggest guy. He's what, 6'2, 200, maybe. Like he's not a massive guy. He's not like a physical specimen like like a Carson Wentz who's like a big lumbering dude who like he looks like he would play like linebacker just looks like a quarterback like he only looks like a quarterback if he's not a quarterback he's like I don't know like the ball boy like that that's what he looks like but it's the commitment it's Brady it's the catches it's the one-on-ones that players have against each other in practice it's like when when they all kiss together and like the the famous um DeAndre Hopkins on um I think it's DeAngelo Hall where he just absolutely tortures him like they do that in the preseason where they have like full pace one on ones with the greatest players at each position and they challenge each other because if you half ass it you do a Jamarcus Russell like the famous story of where the coach gives him tape and like. He's like, what plays do you like? And he's like, all of them. And there's all nothing of them. On them. I'm fine with all of them. And it's a blank yeah. fucking disc. That, that's, yeah. that's, that's criminal. You can't get away with that at such a high level of competition. And we've seen it more recently with guys like Isaiah Wilson who come in and then just don't care anymore. And, you know, you can't you can't get away with that. And it's, it's so, so crazy to me that teams... You know, like you have players who come in, and, but you see guys adapt to that. You have guys like Julian Edelman, who's always been undersized, was an undersized quarterback at Kent State, but he worked his ass off, made an NFL roster as a wide receiver, and now potentially has a shot at the Hall of Fame. And I know people see that as controversial or whatever because he doesn't have a Pro Bowl to his name, but I think genuinely he could uh, stake a claim for making the Hall of Fame because he, he is that good, but it proves that as long as you're willing to work and consistently improve, this isn't a sport to half-ass it. There's no players in this league who half-ass it, I I don't think. Maybe besides like a Big Ben or somebody, but even then, I think when he talks about half-assing it, it, 
Uh, we we don't like Big Ben. I don't think many people do. But he he always says that his his workout routine is yoga, beer, and then and then throwing the ball. But he still has to train, even though he's a fat mess who can barely get up out of a chair. He can still he still trains or or whatever to keep his arm in shape and stuff like that. So it it just is the amount of work that goes into this sport. I don't think UK fans will really understand but i think that's where we're going to have to wrap it up now we we've been going for an hour and 15 minutes it has been great and i'm sure once we stop the recording we'll we'll carry on talking for a little bit more but um yeah thanks for coming on is there any uh social me. media you want to plug or anything like that uh other, other than uh my handle which is on the screen there if you're into football i've just started a podcast the chelsea related one for chelsea football club which is at true blues pod on Twitter and at True Blues Podcast on Instagram. So if you're into football, you're a Chelsea fan. We do a podcast after every game, do game reviews, look forward to stuff. We've got a lot of big things coming up. So me and a friend of mine from Uni have started that. So head over on to there. And obviously keep following the Full 10 Yards podcast and keep following my man Kieran. He's doing a great job. And by the draft guide. Yes. Yes, Kieran. That is the best plug we've ever had so far. You you know, yeah, but but follow me at the Himbo F10Y on the Twitter. Go by the draft guide. We've got a big promo coming up with YouTuber Scott Fisher, who's going to be using our pages to talk about the upcoming players in the draft as he goes through his videos. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And from me, I will see you all in the next one. Kick it and go. Kick it and kick it and go. Off the moon is on the coast. Off the sideline, I took down and put on the show.